from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. You've found The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. We've got the lights turned on. We've got people milling about. I'm not in my comfort zone. I'm usually sitting in the dark all alone, except for my producer, Tim Spreen, in the other studio. But we're doing a Google Hangout uh, tonight. Uh, our third, actually, in a series of uh, Hangouts. And I think we're starting to get it down pat, uh, thanks to uh, Albert, the intern, my story producer. And, uh, of course, uh, special assistance from uh, the good people at thehangouthelper.com. TheHangoutHelper.com. If you want to join or, or watch the live stream of our Hangout, uh, the best way to do this is just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, and click on the link right there, and you can watch the live stream. Uh, just a reminder, my live conference, Follow the Truth, the Conspiracy Show Summit, that's Sunday, November the 16th at the Region Theater. It's going to be here before you know it. Uh, and we've, we're adding new speakers. If you haven't been to the uh, the website, followthetruth.tv, check it out. I think we're up to a total of 10 speakers, and uh, including Simka uh, Jakobo, uh, Jakobovich. Simka Jakobovich, who is uh, the star of a very popular TV show. I believe it's on the History Channel, and that is The Naked Archaeologist. And he's going to join us live via Skype from Israel. Uh, and, of course, we also have renowned, world-renowned mentalist Heim Goldenberg, who was here on the program a couple of weeks ago, bending spoons and uh, just did some incredible feats uh, during one of our hangouts as well. So Heim Goldenberg will be there. Gordon Depp. Let me take you back to the 1980s, maybe a high school gymnasium, and you're dancing to the spoons. Gordon Depp was the... Uh, the lead singer of the Spoons. And I've only just recently learned that a lot of his music was inspired by a lot of this alternative information that we talk about on this program. Uh, and he's very much into uh, past lives and, and out-of-body experiences. So Gordon Depp will be um, at, the, uh, at the conference and I'm told is even going to, uh, going to perform a, a song or two. And Debbie Papadakis, of course, our past life regression therapist, will be doing a past life regression live on the stage. Don Schmidt, renowned Roswell UFO crash investigator. Jim Penniston, key witness to the Rendlesham Forest UFO incident. Uh, my word. Um, who else do we have? Jim Elvidge, of course, talking about living in a digital simulation, the Matrix. Professor Ron Mallett on time travel. And uh, Patty Greer, Crop Circle Filmmaker Researcher. So, uh, followthetruth.tv, that's the website for more information. And, of course, you can order your pass, uh, your passes by calling the, uh, the box office at the Region Theatre, 905-721-3399. 905-721-3399. All right, on to uh, pressing matters. A Canadian CF-18s dropped laser-guided missiles over Iraq today. Canada's first airstrikes. So we are now, Canada that is, a full participant in the uh, the anti-ISIS mission. Uh, but of course, up here in uh, the Great White North, all anybody seems to want to talk about is former CBC host 
John Gameshi and his scandal. Uh, and suddenly nobody's talking about the, uh, the passage of new counter-terrorism powers, new tools which will be used to track terror suspects through online records, bank accounts, and other means, powers the RCMP commissioner called uh, for this week, but which were already moving through Parliament. RCMP Commissioner Bob Paulson made the request for new powers Monday after a pair of attacks last week that killed Warrant Officer Patrice Vincent and Corporal Nathan Cirillo. The commissioner said police should in some cases need less hard evidence to get court approval to track suspects or to monitor them online or by phone. The Protection of Canada from Terrorists Act will expand the powers of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service and the Bill C-44 will better safeguard the identities of intelligence informants in Canada and authorize ceases to eavesdrop in foreign countries. C-44 contains the first legal changes to the CSIS Act since the spy service was created in 1984. The bill, drawn up months ago, we're told, was tabled in Parliament just five days after a gunman shot an Ottawa soldier and breached the main hall of Parliament's centre block before being killed by security guards. Ottawa's also weighing additional powers or measures for police and agencies who monitor terror groups in reaction to the, uh, the slayings in what Stephen Harper, Prime Minister Stephen Harper, has called terror attacks. The government has already signaled it's looking at lowering the threshold for preventative arrests. Now, it's being suggested in various quarters, and we've talked about it on this program last week, in fact. And this is difficult to discuss, but it must be discussed. It's being suggested that these horrible tragedies, the killing of Warrant Officer Patrice Vincent and Corporal Nathan Cirillo, were part of a false flag operation to provide, I suppose, A, a pretext to galvanize public support for Canada's participation in the anti-ISIS campaign, and B, galvanize public and political support for new counter-terror powers. As I say, we talked about this last week, but I wanted to revisit again tonight because there's been some new information that's, uh, that's come to light. And as I say, very difficult very difficult topic to broach. We, it's a sensitive issue. We, our nerves are still raw. Our emotions are still raw. But discuss it, we will. Last week on the program, we were joined by George Freund, who is the host of a very popular alternative news podcast, The Conspiracy Cafe, and he joins us again tonight. George, are you there? Welcome. Oh, thank you, Richard. Glad to be aboard. Well, uh, thank you, and we, we have some, some, uh, some photos that we're going to be sharing for those who are joining the uh, the the, uh, the hangout tonight, uh, or, or or watching the uh, the YouTube stream. And uh, before we we uh, get to that, let me just ask you about these counter terror powers. And you know, people will have to decide for themselves whether they're going to connect the dots between the evidence that you're putting forward to suggest. That these shootings, or the, the, the shooting and the uh, the killing of Warrant Officer uh, uh, Vincent, were part of this hoax or this false flag. Uh, they'll have to decide whether they can connect these dots. But let me jump ahead and ask you first of all about these counter-terror powers, Bill C-44. Uh, give us a sense of of how far-reaching they this bill is. Well, 
in history, James Madison, one of the founding fathers of the United States, said, if tyranny and oppression come to this land, it will be in the guise of fighting a foreign enemy. The means of defense against foreign danger historically have come from instruments of tyranny at home. And uh, even though that goes back into the late 1700s, the words are just as prescient today. These bills are just the total opposite of where our country should be going. And a lot of these laws were in place. They strengthened a lot of laws in 2012 to give CSIS more power. And more power doesn't necessarily mean greater investigative capabilities. This is clearly obvious if we accept the story that's being peddled that uh, these gentlemen who one was definitely under the observation of the police and intelligence services and one should have been, uh, probably very close to being under their supervision, were managing to get into the House of Commons or to attack our soldiers in Quebec and without any interference from the authorities. It's just scandalous, really, that anyone could approach the House of Commons in the manner that happened and just pretty much walk in and shoot the place up, according to the story that they give us. So it's not power they need, it's skill. They don't seem to have any skills. And in any organization where you fail that drastically, usually there's someone who has to fall on the sword and resign, and that just doesn't seem to be the case in any way, shape, or form that anyone's being held responsible for dropping the ball. What concerns you most about these counter-terror uh, uh, powers? For example, uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, if, let's say, there are radicalized uh, Canadians, uh, what's wrong with CSIS or the RCMP having extra powers, in other words, lowering the threshold for preventative arrests and rounding up some of these individuals if CSIS and the RCMP uh, feel that they are an imminent threat to you know, the, the safety of, of Canadians or national security? Well, the first fellow they rounded up was a chap who was uh, you know, convicted or got into a plea bargain arrangement over some firearms offenses. But as soon as this uh, debacle happened in Ottawa... They immediately moved to have him removed from Canada under the uh, Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. And the big crime that uh, this fellow appears to have committed, because nobody really gave a damn about him in the previous year, is he tweeted out information about the shooting in Quebec, saying that the uh, individual killer was shot by the police. And he came out of the car with his hands up and was surrendering. And uh, another witness that has nothing to do with this chap, was reporting that they received a shoot-to-kill order over the radio and that uh, the man was just basically put down like uh, a patsy you'd see in the movie so that he can't testify uh, later on or be interrogated if there's any court proceedings. You're talking about the, uh, the, the person who ran down warrant officer, uh, Patrice, Patrice Vincent. Yes. And, and you're saying that a witness claims he heard uh, over the police yeah, radio. Yeah, witnesses heard that. How can, we, how, how can we verify that? Well, that was widely reported uh, at the beginning. And, uh, you know, I even have names of uh, witnesses from other radio programs I was on that were coming forward. But I can't give that out because that's, you know, confidential information. You don't release informants' names. But this gentleman, Mohammed uh, Akik Ansari, uh, a Pakistani software uh, designer, is immediately under the thing where we have to round him up and kick him out of the country. I'm Polish-German by background, and we know all about police states and how they work, 
and I can tell you about, uh, you know, the trip to Auschwitz that my grandfather's sisters had to take. So the police state is nothing to be really proud of. They always say if you have nothing to fear, you have nothing to hide. But when the time comes that you have something to fear, you have no place to hide. All right, George, we'll take a time out. George Freund is with us, host of the Conspiracy Cafe podcast, independent researcher as we discuss Ottawa shooting oddities, part two, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740. George Freund is uh, with us as we discuss some of the oddities surrounding the uh, the recent uh, shooting up in Ottawa, as well as the murder of Warrant Officer Patrice Vincent in uh, Quebec. George Freund is with us from Conspiracy Cafe, a very popular alternative news uh, podcast. If the purpose of the false flag was to galvanize public support for not only Canada's mission, this anti-ISIS mission, which uh, I guess began in earnest with the uh, the CF-18s involved in the uh, the bombing raid in Iraq, uh, and also galvanize public and political support for these new uh, counter-terror bills, it seems it was very successful. Uh, the mainstream media certainly, you know, has sort of gone into rally round the flag mode. My sense is people don't want to even hear about what you're talking about or suggesting, that something so cynical that this was all staged, a hoax. Yes, it does appear to be a, a strategic operation. There were national security drills going on in both places conveniently, and uh Adrian Arsenault, the uh, you know renowned Canadian reporter, mentioned that, and that's posted on uh, another alternative blog, but definitely not something you're going to read in uh, corporate media. That uh, you know what a coincidence, just like the seven seven bombings, only the places where we do drills get attacked. There were many uh, other persons involved. I sent you a photo called Abbey Road, where we see uh, you know black hooded individuals walking across the street, uh, almost in lockstep like the Beatles at the Abbey Road uh, album cover with a policeman escorting them, and uh, they appear to be, you know, special forces types of individuals, agents provocateurs. Uh, They're not on the front page of uh, many newspapers, if any at all. What are they doing? What were their roles? There were other shooters talked about, one on a roof, a sniper. uh, When you say a a shooter was talked about, what do you mean? From witnesses? Uh, Who's talking about a potential? Oh, correct, yeah. The Rideau uh, Mall, there was supposed to be an active shooter going on there. Uh, The guy fled on a motorcycle. There's another incident where a military policeman was supposed to have taken somebody out of the post office, and then that just fell off the uh, radar screen. There was a public statement made on CNN about uh, these issues by an Ottawa policeman, and I won't butcher his name by trying it. And, uh, you know, he said there were three shooting incidents going on and no one was injured. And the one with the sniper on the roof uh, distresses me to a degree because if we did, in fact, have a shooting at the monument, was it a possibility that a sniper shot the soldier and that uh, the bow is just the patsy to be standing there with the rifle to have it blamed upon him? And maybe because the round came from a great distance, that's why we don't see the massive trauma in the picture that should be there if he was shot at point blank well, maybe we can a high-powered rifle. Last week on the program, you pointed out some very strange situation, a very strange scene where we see very little blood. 
Now, again, if someone were shot from behind at close range, one would expect to see blood splattered everywhere. And, you know, forgive the, uh, the graphic nature of this discussion, but it is what it is. We don't see blood everywhere. But the other thing is, if we look at the bystanders, we have people with their back to Corporal uh, Cirillo, who's lying on the ground. We have people sipping coffee. We have people talking into their cell phone, very casual, in a very casual manner. What strikes you about, uh, about that photograph, George? These people are completely divorced from what's happening in front of them, if something is happening in front of them. One thing we have to take into account, too, I have a short YouTube on my website about filming in green screen or chroma key, where, you know, basically have computer-generated backgrounds. If this was, uh, you know, an artificial picture or something made in a studio to have some uh, photographs, it could be that this is just background material put in. There's another shot I found in the news that looked at these bystanders from behind them, and they're different people. <laughs> Not, there isn't anybody that you can discern. Like I sent you that picture, it's titled Witnesses, and, uh, you know, it's from the other side of that line of people. There isn't anybody that looks the same with the same style of uh, clothing, but they do look interested in what's going on as opposed to the ones uh, in that shot. So has the shot been completely made up? That is a possibility. What is the suggestion here then, George, that Corporal Nathan Cirillo was not shot by Michael Hall, uh, known previously as Michael Hall, the shooter in this incident, this shooting uh, spree that ended up in Parliament, uh, in the Parliament buildings? Are you suggesting that he was not the person who fired the gun that killed Nathan Cirillo? That is a possibility, and we have to look at all the possibilities because we're getting just nothing but a pack of lies from the official sources. And, uh, you know, we have smoking gun evidence about the so-called bullet holes in Parliament. Yeah, we will get to that because this is sort of the new, uh, the, the new information that just came to light. But let me just go back to the, uh, the war memorial. Uh, and we see a, a woman who is uh, administering CPR uh, to Corporal Cirillo. What strikes you uh, as, as being unusual about that whole scenario, where this, uh, this woman comes to his aid? You know, where are the ambulances, where are the paddles, and, and so forth, all the, uh, the necessary equipment that you would think would be brought in to revive someone in this situation? Well, the, the point is they don't use it, at least not up in front. We get the uh, you know, first aid that you and I might do because we have a first aid certificate, but we don't see the pros coming in to do the big stuff. And in the, you know, this shot where we see the woman getting prepared to do mouth-to-mouth, we see the man with his shirt open, and there's no blood. He's got a light green shirt. There's no blood on it. There's another shot where there's a white dress glove like you wear on a parade square over top of the chest with absolutely no blood on it. Uh, when you have a heart attack, that's why you're doing CPR, you get cyanosis. You turn blue, and the man has the same skin color as the person giving him mouth-to-mouth. So that just doesn't jive, unless this is the first heart attack ever that didn't come with cyanosis. When you say heart attack, I mean, he was obviously shot at close range, or was supposedly shot at close range from behind. So, Well, if they're pumping his chest and breathing into his mouth, his heart isn't beating. So I just take that for granted. If that's I see what you're saying. Okay, so cardiac, chest, cardiac arrest. Beating. Right, cardiac arrest. Okay. So uh, is there any possibility that... I don't know that he he was bleeding internally, or that the the, the you know the 
that uh, there was blood there, that we just can't see it in this photograph? I mean, If he was shot with a small caliber handgun, that could be the case. He was shot with a 30-30 caliber rifle, you know, the muzzle velocity of, depending on how heavy the bullet is, 2,200 to 2,400 feet per second, something that can drop a moose. And, uh, you know, that's just going into a human being past your major arteries and veins in the abdomen and your kidneys and liver and spleen and, you know, ma- many, many blood-carrying organs. Uh, that would just rip right through you. also sent you a picture of, uh, you know, a thirty thirty caliber bullet in a penetration test hitting a water jug. It just explodes and water goes everywhere. Well, basically, we're water carrying a whole five liters of blood. And uh, we get hit with something like that, it's just going to go everywhere. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. I was just looking at a video of a a guy shot to death by the police uh, in the States, you know, eight cops shooting one guy at 46 times. But uh, they described the blood in the street like a river and uh, with pistol bullets. So we have this high-powered rifle bullet, and we just don't see the blood. We don't see the discoloration of the skin. The medical evidence doesn't fit the story we're being told. And this isn't the only... uh, place where we're getting a story that doesn't match the physical evidence and when we start putting all these pieces together we could say okay we're mistaken with one but now we have another piece and another piece and another piece so how many of these falsehoods all have to be put together before we can come to the conclusion that we have been sold a false bill of goods here one of the other things with a crime scene is, especially an outdoor crime scene, especially a sensitive crime scene, is the police always put up a tent to protect the crime scene from any contamination, but also to protect the privacy and integrity of the crime scene. I've never seen an outdoor crime scene of a major nature that didn't have a tent. And the people who deal with the crime scene wear protective clothing so that they don't contaminate the scene with their own hair or any residues from their clothing or take anything that could be carcinogenous, poisonous, or whatever from blood products that may be around onto their own person. So they always wear protective clothing. It's not there. So that tells me this isn't a crime scene. It's a stage. Well, let me ask you, George, why, why if, the, if the purpose of this false flag, if that's what it was, is to galvanize public support and so forth, why go to all the trouble of, of uh, having a sniper on a roof shoot uh, Corporal Cirillo uh, rather than have the, the person who stormed the parliament buildings do it, why, why go through all this rigmarole and take these extra complicated steps? Well, it's different. We can't know what uh, Bobo was up to because he's dead, allegedly, and uh, we can't find out. But we just have to use reasonable deduction to go out. Well, we did have a sniper event with this drill. What was he doing up there? Many of the photographs of the police coming out of buildings with people as they're pointing their firearms in the air and ducking for cover as if there's an active sniper on the roof. The CBC were cleared from rooftop buildings, so it's pretty much obvious that we did have a a sniper element. Is this the main thing? Usually when you have a patsy, the patsy's just there to take the blame, and the killer does what he has to do and gets away. And uh, the general end run of these patsies is they're murdered. Well, let's talk about uh, Bibo and and a little bit of his background. He had a criminal record, uh, drug offenses... Uh, among them, uh, and yet we're told that he was able uh, to cross the uh, the border post 9/11, a without a passport and b with a criminal record. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, I heard that too uh, on the CBC. I think the morning before I went on an American talk show, and I was just flabbergasted because uh, his passport was refused. They wouldn't give him one. 
And with these uh, records, of course, they're going to be going through you with a fine-tooth comb to see why you're coming across the border. But there were four trips that uh, were spoken of that he did cross the border, and he was under observation from American authorities. So they had him on their radar. And the first news report that came out before the, the matters even settled, it was published uh, on the Toronto Star website before it was removed a few hours later, said uh, that U.S. officials confirmed his name and that he was a terrorist. And uh, that was scrubbed later and uh, has been obliterated. But the good thing about a lot of people that are online is they capture what they see and they save it so that it can be used later. And that's one of the uh, you know powerful stories that came out is that the news was changed and the Americans originally had all the information uh, available while well, our media was being forced to the ground by our police on the street. They were all forced to hit the ground and uh, at gunpoint and basically threatened and intimidated while American media were carrying the story stateside. Uh, that's quite scandalous in its own right. It, maybe that's why our media is lining up our senators received the same treatment. They went door to door doing this search for the shooter in the building, you know, basically kicking in senators' doors and forcing them on the floor at gunpoint. And that's just ridiculous, really, because if you don't have the ability to determine uh, a, a senator who's probably got his, you know, parliamentary pass and ID cards, and so do his staff, from an Islamic jihadist terrorist that's working for ISIS, well, all the power in the world isn't going to help our country. You have no discernment. And uh, it just looks like it's uh, uh, almost a threat and intimidation to the Senate because they got Bill C-13 coming their way. This is the fastest bill ever to go through Parliament in the Senate. They pretty much got through second reading in the Senate almost immediately. So in less than a week, these new police state powers are barreling through and without any debate, discussion, Usually bills you know, go back and forth for weeks, if not months, and get sent back to uh, the House for amendments and such like this. It just feels like our senators were, were threatened, not that not they were searching for someone, that they were actually being threatened. Well, C-13 was originally sort of an anti-cyberbullying uh, bill, and then they, I guess they tacked these other measures on um, afterwards. Is that right? Correct. This is uh, basically something equivalent to the Stasi powers. It allows the government now to be the cyber bully and stalker. Well, let and me ask the, you about, about uh, getting back to the uh, the shooter, Michael Sahaf Bebo, and his mother, Susan, who is a highly placed official in, in Canadian immigration. Uh, talk to me about that. Yes, his mother is uh, a director in uh, Immigration and Refugee Board Canada, and, uh, you know, I heard from my American cohort, Joyce, Joyce Riley, I didn't see the uh, actual document or source that she had, but that Bobo had a pass to get into Parliament. So I haven't seen the printed version of that. I just heard it on her show. So that's unconfirmed. That's speculation. Uh, I mean... Well, she might have it in, you know, something very solid. It's just I don't know what it is because it wasn't shared with me. It was shared with her. She was doing the show alone at the time. And uh, one of the other very disturbing factors is his father was fighting for the CIA to overthrow Gaddafi back in that day. So he is a soldier for hire to a degree working for the Americans. So no wonder, I guess, he could get across the border and have some contact with American intelligence officials. That's about the only way you're going to get across the border because of 
any type of even reference or criminal record or drug offenses, you're not getting across. Certainly really. not post 9-11. George, stay with us. George Freund, host of the alternative news podcast Conspiracy Cafe here on The Conspiracy Show as we discuss the Ottawa shootings and the oddities surrounding those shootings, part two. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. George Freund is with us, the host of the Conspiracy Cafe podcast. George, give us a website. It's www.conspiracy-cafe.com. And as I understand it, when you hit my name at uh, your show links, then uh, my link comes through recorded under that. That's correct. And also, uh, we're... uh uh, doing a, a Google Hangout again tonight. So if you want to uh, watch the show, sort of uh, uh, as it's being streamed on YouTube, you can uh, just go to my Twitter account, my, my Twitter feed rather, at Richard Serrett. Click on the link, and then you can join the uh, the Google Hangout. And uh, I want to get back to um, uh, Michael Zahaf Bebo's uh, parents, his mother, again, a director at uh, Immigration Canada, uh, father now, I know that uh, it's been said he was fighting Gaddafi, you know, part of the insurgent uh, uh, insurgency over there, but I, I hadn't necessarily heard that he was, you know, on the CIA's payroll. Uh, I mean, how do, we, how, how do we make that uh, connection? Do we know that for a fact? Not a hard and fast fact. The, uh, the big point is these private armies and soldiers for hire are generally employed through State Department uh, auspices and their front company, the CIA, and, uh, you know, we just pretty much have to take it. There's a very serious odor about this, and it's emanating from these Soldier of Fortune-style armies, and uh, that has to be a great cause for concern. We're being fed, uh, you know, just basic rumors to say that he's an ISIS terrorist because, you know, maybe he said something online or something, but... They have no hard and fast uh, proof to really say one way or another what his motives are. Uh, they're still discussing that in Parliament where Mulcair says he's a criminal and the Conservative government say he's a terrorist, but by and large they're just debating half or six, half dozen or six. It's really immaterial, we, whatever you call it. The hard and fast point is, is we're being sold out. 35 million Canadians are going to lose all their rights and freedoms over an event that could very well have been staged, when in reality the new law we should be talking about should probably be uh, something more like the RCMP Dissolution Act, because obviously they're not fulfilling their obligations to protect Parliament and secure the Prime Minister, so there's something seriously wrong here, and I would start by removing their provincial police uh, contracts and giving them back to the provinces and slim it down and shape it up and get it into a national police force that can actually do what it should be doing, dealing with national security issues and protecting federal property and our government officials. Well, let's talk about the security on Parliament Hill, because you know this uh, people have a short memory, but they forget there have been a number of incidents. Uh, a gentleman who hijacked a bus uh, and was was uh, intent on blowing up the Parliament buildings a la Guy Fox, but his uh, the bus got stuck in the mud. Uh, there was, uh, uh, you know, there was, of course, the incident at the Quebec legislature. So this is not, 
this is not something new. This has happened before. And, and I'm told that the security on Parliament Hill is about as tight as it can be. In fact, I, had, I mentioned this last week. I had a friend who was on Parliament Hill, walked past the, uh, the War Memorial uh, three or four times uh, during the Thanksgiving Day weekend. And uh, he was absolutely awestruck by the police presence at that time on the Hill. And, of course, this was before uh, the, uh, the, the murder of uh, Warrant Officer uh, Patrice Vincent and, of course, before the Ottawa shooting. So at that time, there were, the police presence on Parliament Hill was incredibly high. And then, of course, we had this photograph uh, supposedly coming from a legislative assistant by the name of, is it Julia May? Correct. She's now been identified. It's Julia May. And uh, this photograph, she claims, was taken through the window of her office at 9.30 a.m., 15 minutes before um, Michael Zahapa Bowe's uh, shooting spree, supposedly. What else do we know about uh, about uh, Julia May? Not too much. She was just in fear of her life and uh, used the classic thing. She's not in uh, any... Uh interested in any way to commit suicide in case something happens to her, but claims to have been across the office and seen a, a just a preponderance of police cars, something that is just unusual for the time. And that kind of uh, matches uh, Miss Arsenault's claim that there were drills going on at the time, because you're just not going to have that many police on duty available at short notice to see the response that we did see later. It was just pretty much uh, like they called out, uh, you know, the rapid deployment force from NATO or something. They were coming out of everywhere. And uh, that many police just aren't on duty in Ottawa. They couldn't afford it to, to have that many people 24-7. So we have, a, we have a problem here. We're saying that a man is at the scene verbally, but there's no pictures of him there coming back. There's a big hole there. All right, George, we'll take another time out. We come, we'll come back, and we want to talk about this Google Earth tour of the Parliament buildings video of that tour taken in April of 2013. It's very telling and we'll, uh, we'll let people know exactly why this is so odd when we discuss the Ottawa shooting oddities with George Freund, host of the podcast The Conspiracy Cafe. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. This is a tough discussion, but we have to have it. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right. Now, this next bit is most disturbing. Uh, of course, much ado was made about the, uh, the nine bullet holes uh, in the parliamentary alcove where the, uh, the shooter, Michael Bebeau, was uh, gunned down and... This uh, alcove, of course, uh, well, there's a number of things that happened there, and we'll get to the sergeant-at-arms and, and uh, his role in, in taking down the bow uh, if we have time. But let's talk about those bullet holes. Uh, George Freund is with us. He is the, uh, the host of the podcast Conspiracy Cafe. Now, this uh, Google, I guess it's a Google Earth uh, tour of the Parliament buildings that took place in April 2013. First of all, who found that Google Earth tour, and how do we know that it was, in fact, dated from April 2013? 
Well, it's still available. I went there myself. It's on the CTV website. So when I saw the uh, report, I made the tour myself, and the pictures I've sent you were the pictures I found and made screenshots of them all. And we walk into the Hall of Justice in front of the uh, Parliamentary Library, and, uh, you know, it's just absolutely shocking. So the first picture is, you know, more panoramic, and I just get closer and closer and closer until we get to the wall that has these impressions in them and turn right. And uh, we see the bullet marks that they tell us are bullet marks, but they're not. They're impressions in the uh, in the wall, but they could be for a multitude of other reasons. Maybe something was uh, attached to the wall at one time. But these pictures were taken in April of 2013 to be prepared for Canada's birthday, July the 1st, 2013, that Google did a special uh, virtual tour of the Parliament buildings. So the final picture of the close-up of the wall I sent you, and I sent you another one with Secretary Kerry uh, touring uh, the site, looking at the same wall, and you see the same marks in the wall. They were there in April of 2013, according to Google Virtual Earth. It's stamped in the uh, the image that that's when they took the picture. Can we bring that photo up on on uh, the the Hangout? This is the photo in the Hall of uh, the Hall of Justice, and these this image is from. April 2013, it's a Google Earth tour of the Parliament buildings. And there we see, as you say, I, I, it, it, I, would, I would find it hard to believe, George, that these are actual bullet holes. Uh, so as you say, something else accounts for these marks. But are they in the same position? Are they the same number of holes? Correct. As the, uh, the supposed uh, gunman left? Yes, when you look at uh, Kerry standing beside the bald gentleman, there's a pattern of three. They're in exactly the same place as they were in April 2013. And, uh, you know, there's no mistake. There's also video out from the news media of the entire wall that show the nine marks. They're in exactly the same place. The uh, news media darkened them for their filming uh, in one of the, uh, the video portions I've seen, but they're in exactly the same place. And it, there's just no mistake. If this was a criminal case and you were trying to say A shot B and I came up with this evidence that the bullet holes were in the wall before the crime happened, my client would be walking. Case dismissed. Now, the other thing that's odd, uh, there were a number of, of cameramen or camera people in that corridor. Uh, I mean, while the shooting is going on. The position of those cameramen is, is, is kind of odd. Uh, tell me about that. Well, they just, it, it is, I wasn't too much sold on that at first because there's always interviews and things going on in Parliament, so it wouldn't be untoward to have a number of cameramen there. But uh, when the police come in and start charging down the corridor, we have to look at the wall too in the first panoramic shot uh, you know, that I send you. When you see the news footage of that and you look at that wall, there's no bullet holes in it, and these guys are charging down the corridor firing multiple shots. You know, we see the odd window taken out in the news or something like that, but I would hope that their marksmanship would be good enough to hit the proverbial barn door. And uh, that wall that's open to their line of fire doesn't have any bullet hole or bullet marks on it at all, which is very, very strange. So one of the uh, videographers who does alternative media and who's recorded this, says the first pop was very loud and he thought it was like a flashbang grenade and that this was similar because they were also doing a drill of a gunman in Parliament as well conveniently. 
and uh, it fits the purpose more of a drill than as opposed to them actually chasing somebody down and shooting him because uh, Mr. Vickers was supposed to be standing in the line of fire. This is Kevin. Uh, They're Kevin. just amazed at how they could fire all those rounds downrange and not hit uh, the wall, not hit Vickers, and not hit Bobo. Sergeant-at-Arms Kevin Vickers, who came out of his office conveniently at, at this precise time, saw what was happening, went back into his office, took his revolver out of his desk, and then performed some Bruce Willis uh, type of heroics where he sort of jumped across, turned on his side, and while before he landed on his back, fired at uh, Bobo. Now, we, we don't know much about where Bobo was shot, uh, was he killed? I, I guess he was killed instantly, but we don't know where he was shot. Uh, there's been there's been no reports that I'm aware of, George, about uh, you know what happened to the body. Have you heard anything? No. Uh, he was supposed to be shot where those other bullet holes are, and uh, or bullet marks in the wall, and then the body was supposed to be lying outside the door of the uh, House of Commons library, and uh, and such, but the story was that Vickers was standing behind a pillar. There's lots of pillars, you know, down where the police start entering uh, the Hall of Honor, but in front of the Parliamentary Library, as you see from the pictures I sent you, there's really no pillar there for him to hide behind and perform this great stunt. The only door is the door to the Library of Parliament, and then the actual access through the, uh, you know, that uh, portal to get to the door. So that just doesn't nothing they say seems to add up or make sense at least with the narrative that we've been given and if he had come out uh, of that door i mean he would have been at great risk of being caught in the crossfire because i don't know how many uh, uh, you know ottawa or rcmp uh, police were behind him firing at Bippo, but uh, th- there would have been bullets flying everywhere Yes, there were dozens of shots fired, so it would be a miracle that either one of them could uh, go into that area and not be wounded or uh, or anything of that nature. Then, of course, you know, one of the big things with Bobo is why didn't he shoot? You know, So if he was in that little alcove, he's got a bit of cover from the stone that it's recessed in, that he would have cover and he could return fire, but he didn't. So you know, I'm even wondering if there were even any bullets in his gun. If he was a patsy, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. What happened to the body? Where, where, where was he taken? Where was he buried? They've never made any big, uh, you know, light about that. So, you know, nothing about the funeral, nothing about the body, nothing about uh, much of anything really. So that, I find that to be very, very strange. Same with the other uh, chap uh, who was shot by the police in Quebec. Uh, he just sort of, you know, he's shot, he's killed. We see rolled over cars in the, di- or his car rolled over in the ditch, but we don't hear anything more about him. Uh, you know, no official reports or uh, or anything like that. It's just very, very strange. It's just like they disappear. And, uh, you know, so I'm very dubious about the official story, especially since the official story wants to take away my rights and freedoms. One of the other pictures, you know, I sent you to is Bobo running into Parliament. There's two police cars behind him coming around the circle. And he's not even running, actually. At that point, he's walking. You can clearly see he's just walking. And you're in a car. And there's a man with a rifle going to go into Parliament. I just can't fathom why you just wouldn't take him out. You don't even have to get out of the car. Just run him over and put him down. So, uh, it, you know, they'll do that when any other type of car chase. They just grind the car into uh, a piece somewhere and, and stop it. Right, right. 
you know, the, the big question that always comes up in these situations, George, is if this was, in fact, a false flag, how do you keep something like this quiet? I mean, Very you, simple. You have, you, have, you have many, many people that would be involved in such an operation. Very simple. All right. It's called the Official Secrets Act. How long do you want to spend in prison? And how much do you want to talk? So basically all the police and the military are sworn in under the Official Secrets Act. They did that with the Toronto 18 when they arrested them. I couldn't see why they'd take all the police aside and swear them in under the Official Secrets Act. But if you want to keep a job, if you want a pension, and if you don't want to do a long term in prison, shut up. And most people are quite accommodating in that. Well, all the parliamentary people and staff, uh, they passed regulations that a year or two years ago now where they have to have confidentiality. They're not allowed to talk about anything they do in their job to anyone without clearance from above. And that's part of their, you know, job description packages now that, you know, they'll be fired and uh, punished severely if they release any information. What about people in the media? There, you know, that was the other thing that struck me about this whole scenario. How many cameras were around? Not only the, the, the cameras, uh, the, uh, the video cameras inside uh, Parliament, uh, but also just people uh, shooting still photographs uh, at the war memorial and, and el- elsewhere, uh, uh, pictures of, uh, you know, uh, uh, police in sort of SWAT attire and so forth. Well, the first group of people put down on the ground weren't Islamic terrorists. They were reporters. They were all ordered to the ground at gunpoint. And if you didn't get down, do you want to take the chance that you get shot or not? It's a very intimidating thing if you've never been taken down at gunpoint. So uh, it's a common tactic used by the police to threaten and intimidate people, even other police. I remember in my police career way back when, you know, if you wanted to uh, be a little outspoken about the truth, you know, gun barrel goes in my nose and they threaten to blow my head off. So it's, uh, you know, I responded quite uh, handily because I'm a Christian. Just said, go ahead and pull the trigger, but it ain't shutting up and I'm still a cop and you're going to get 25 years. So they didn't have the guts to pull the trigger. But for most people... That's going to be uh, a very difficult thing to have to deal with, and they've never been uh, seen anything like it, experienced anything like it, and generally they just fold like a deck chair in total fear. One of the big things that we got from our 2012 spy package is they're spying on the media. And uh, so you're the people who are under the, the stalking alert, and they're just pretty much terrified to, uh, to say anything out of turn because you lose your job. I used to work uh, along, around a lot of big people who do media in Toronto and uh, don't have to name names to embarrass them or anything like that, but those are the people you see on your evening news. And, uh, you know, they'd always laugh at me to say, wow, I wish I could say that, but, you know, if I ever tried, the big hook's going to come and <coughs> pulls me off uh, the stage and I'll never be seen again and, uh, you know, I'll have to do your job because I won't be making the six figures anymore. Do you think any of this is going to come to light? It is here. It's a start. This is, uh, you know, one of the few chances we're going to get to save our parliamentary democracy. Uh, it appears Mr. Mulcair isn't completely and totally sold on uh, a lot of this crap, and uh, perhaps with some lobbying from people to say, hey, we don't want our rights and freedoms taken away. And there are problems with this story. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones is after they moved everything out of the way and you have this massive injury at the monument, there, there's no bloody footprints, there's, there's no, no stains, no this, no that. It's just like it was another day, and uh, that just can't be. There, there's something seriously wrong with this, but these laws that are coming in, they're not for terrorists. They're for you and me and everybody else. 
And uh, that's constantly been the threat in police states, that uh, laws are for artists, writers, thinkers, uh, you know, filmers, photographers, pick something, poets. Those are always the people that take the brunt of these national security laws. It seldom ever has anything to do with the manufactured enemy or terrorist of the day. There may be a few that uh, they take down for a dog and pony show, but fundamentally it's the long arm of the state goes after the people who think independently and uh, can be a threat to the power structure by telling people the truth. Well, listen, George, uh, you've, given, you've given a lot of us a lot to think about, and some, some may actually uh, put their hands to their ears and say, I don't want to hear this. I can't even contemplate something so sinister, so cynical, so evil uh, here in Canada the good. However, uh, people will have to uh, look at the evidence that's been offered up and make their own conclusions. George, I uh, appreciate your time again. George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Good night. Good night. All right, the website, richardserrett.com. Don't forget, check the uh, Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Click on the link, and you can join the Google Hangouts. And say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. And as always, although it's a rough road to hoe, follow the truth.